most important thing that still has me farming today is understanding that it's it's beautiful. It's really beautiful. All the different parts of it fitting together. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's really horrible. And we had horrible days there where I was like, this is the worst job <laughs> I've ever had. It's the first time I it ever it. was like <laughs> practically snowing on my birthday in June as a southerner. That was like we both really cried. hard to cope with. I, <laughs> I think I cried that day. What? Um, Doing it in the Northwest farming. So yeah, there's days you're slugging through the mud and, and it's... It's not so great, but it's beautiful. It's still part of this larger thing, and that was really important for me, and it still is. And I try to impart that to our interns as best I can. But If one out of every ten apprentices we get stays as a farmer, and then the other ten are like, hey, it makes sense for me to pay four bucks for a bunch of carrots because I know how hard that was, then we're, or you know, train someone that engages with the food system in any other meaningful way as an advocate for small farms, then... Yeah, I just want them to take away how important it is that we're all involved in it. I want them to leave with with a sense that a farm is sort of, it's a place where it engages your whole self. And to me, that's one of the most important things about it. Welcome to Delicious Revolution, a show about food, culture, and place. I'm Chelsea Wills. And I'm Devin Sampson. We talk with people who work in and think about all aspects of food, including farmers, chefs, artists, and activists. On the second season, we bring you in-depth conversations with some amazing people who work with food in incredible ways. You can subscribe to Delicious Revolution on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Just search for Delicious Revolution and you'll find us. Our website is deliciousrevolutionshow.com, where we have pictures, links, and more information about all the people on our show. If you have a food story of your own, we'd love to hear it. Call 510-859-7430 and leave us a message. Delicious Revolution is brought to you by Satori Travel. If you're a traveler, and especially if you're thinking about going to Mexico or Japan, you've got to check it out. They offer unique guidebooks, custom-tailored trips, and a concierge service for planning your next great adventure. Find out more at satorisatori.com. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks. Thanks. Well, let's start with, how did you become farmers? Oh, it was such a... (laughs) Okay. um, It was a really convoluted journey um, that kind of was all coming together right about the time I met Molly. Uh, I was in school for sustainable design in Burlington, Vermont, and it was a self-directed course of study and I was deciding whether I wanted to be an architect, go to architecture school or go to landscape architecture school. Had been really had my mind blown open by my permaculture class I had recently done and was just really feeling engaged with the design part of, you know, the future world that I was wanting to build and make a better place. Um, And I went to this place called Yestermara, which is a design build school in Warren, Vermont that you should all check out. It's really cool, empowering place, teaching lots of amazing skills. Um, and I was an intern there and ran their gardens as part of my internship. And just the design component and the eating component, planning something, making something, finishing it at the end of the season, putting it to bed was just all really appealing. Um, and I met Molly there and decided to come to California to pursue another to a design job and think about what the hell to do. And we decided to do a farm apprenticeship together because she had been interested in doing the program at UCSC and was still, I think, toying with that idea when mm-hmm. we met. Yeah. And we kind of farmed our way north from there. 
Yeah, my intention. Well, I just want to ask a follow up question to Zach. So, <clears throat> going from like a garden scale right. to a farm scale is a right. pretty big leap. It is a pretty big leap. Um, it was well because the garden's kind of really easy to keep and isn't. You know, it was like I did it part time, and that wasn't going to pay me. And I was really having this mental shift of like, do I want to go learn to draw cab lines and work indoors and your whatever landscape architecture was feeling more appealing systems design, that kind of stuff. And I didn't want to do any more school really. And I wanted to get to work and work outside and work with my body and work with my mind. And I knew kind of from the get go when we started that we need, if it was a route to take, it needed to pay us or me. It wasn't something I could just go to with like the ethic of right livelihood that was kind of driving any future career decisions at that point. Um, so it just seemed, yeah, it just was kind of an obvious choice. And how about you, Molly? How'd you become a farmer? Well, as Zach mentioned, when he first came to California, I was um, getting set to do a farm apprenticeship um, with the goal of working in an educational setting. I've always been interested in um, sort of alternative, particularly residential schools like they have on the East Coast, lots of different farm schools. And um, so it was my hope to sort of be a staff member running a farm program at a school. That was sort of my vague goal. So that was my reason for going into it. Um, and when Zach came to California, we decided to do an internship together. So we went up to Washington State and worked at Persephone Farm with Rebecca Slattery, which was really great. And that's, that's how we got started. She yeah. had a really wonderful business model at the kind of scale we could imagine. Um, she has a 60 member CSA, um, markets and she has flowers. So it was interesting for me because I had intended to do an internship at CASFIS, which is an educational program. So it sort of would have kept that going for me, seeing a market scale farm that's actually, um, in the, in the business side, uh, had a big impact. And at that time, mm. though, I said, this is really great, but this isn't really what I want to do. Remember? Yeah, totally remember. <laughs> and I was like, all right, this this could work. Yeah, I could see see how we could do this. And, you know, did and still do dream and scheme about segueing educational mm -hmm. components in and things like that. But it's kind of the reality of doing it has run up on us really fast in a way that's like, okay, we can do all that stuff in due time, but we also have to like, we have a one-year-old daughter now. We got to think about the future. We got to pay the bills. We got to buy a flail mower so I don't have to bend over and rip out crops so many times and hurt my back over the next thirty years. You know, it just—it's changed the thought process a little bit. Yeah. Well, but for can oh, you describe your farm? Yeah, our current farm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's twenty-four acre property. We farm, I guess, just over two acres now of mixed vegetables. Yeah, something like that. Two and a half acres. Two and a quarter yeah. acres. Um, we started out um, integrating animals as much as possible. We're still doing that to a smaller extent. To a smaller degree. Um, we do mostly vegetables, but we're adding more and more flowers. We have a 50-member CSA. We're going up to 65 this year. Mm -hmm. um, we sell at two markets. Some grocery stores. Yeah. So pretty diverse in that way. We have had more animals in the past, and now we have just sheep. Now she your farm, you, you worked for Rebecca as mm -hmm. interns at Persephone Farm in Indianola, right? In yeah. Washington. Yeah, 
And then after that, you went to go look for a place to have a farm, or how how did that? Kind of. That was kind of paralleling just our journey, right? I mean, yeah, we were sort of vaguely vaguely thinking of doing that. It's yeah, we went to our friend Bree Eagle that we went to UCSC with lives on Salt Spring Island at her own family farm there. And Which so, is where your farm is on Yes, on South Strand. Yes. Exactly. So we went and worked with her for a season, and then went back for another season. And one thing led to another, and now we're still there on our own farm. Yeah. But we weren't looking... We weren't looking to, to move, move to Canada to, Canada. to settle on a small <laughs> island and have a farm there. That just kind of happened. We were vaguely looking place. from like the Bay Area north to Vancouver Island mm-hmm. as we were you know, spending our you know, non-farm apprentice season back here in Sonoma County and, you know, exploring the West Coast. Well, when I think of your farm, I think of like this coming together of a lot of different visions, right? So this is, we had, Devin and I went to your farm this summer. It's like, it's totally beautiful, right? It's this incredible piece of land that is on this amazing island, like surrounded by orcas and there's a pond and there's, you know, there's flowers and there's this huge variety of vegetables and you have interns and your community is pretty involved. There's people there a lot. It's a really vibrant situation. You also have a cottage that people are coming to stay at and like, no more. No more. more. We made a decision this year to not that the farm was at a place financially where we think we can afford to not do that and it's going to feel really good and we've had some yeah really great guests but also it's a huge it can be a huge headache and distraction Mm -hmm. from like what our actual mission is just you know grow food for our community yeah well so let's talk about that vision i think that's like what really stood out to me about our visit this summer was thinking about like what that means to commit to a place Mm -hmm. and work on it over time with Mm -hmm a set of changing conditions, right? You were injured this year. You have mm-hmm. Zach, you know, you mm-hmm. there's, you both have a new daughter who's a year old. You are bringing more people on to be involved in different capacities. Where do you, where do you hope it goes? What do you, <laughs> what do you see? It's that time of year to talk about it. Yeah. Um, well, we love to keep just adding more and more things. That's one of our <laughs> Sometimes it feels <laughs> like just, to, you, we just like let, let the horse run. I don't know if that's a thing or not, but like it's just running away from us and we're holding on and steering in a positive direction so far has, has worked. But yeah. I think where we want it to go, there's so many, it's, we get really distracted. We have we a, get away. a school and a restaurant yeah. and a concert a hall and wedding <laughs> venue and to that's have a hundred member CSA yeah. and process food. You know, we want to do everything and engage our community in that process. Um, yeah. We do yes. really love having the farm be a vibrant place. That's yeah. that's a important to our community. There's yeah. a huge amount of tourism on Salt Springs, so the markets there are great, but pretty tourist driven to some extent. Mm-hmm. So increasing our CSA is something that is a, a sure goal for us. Yeah. We've added a flower CSA. Um, our all of our members pick up on the farm, so they're very involved. We love that. Yeah. We, we get a lot of feedback from them and take a lot yeah. of take what they say pretty seriously, um, and they love love feeling like they're such a part of it. Um, and we've gotten to, you know, know a lot of our members really well. We have one group of members that every time Google maps updates the farm, cause they've been watched, they've been up, been with us since the beginning. And every time it's updated with on Google earth, they print us this huge, you know, wall size printouts. So they can be like, look, here's the new field. And Oh, look at, look, there's when the greenhouse went up. And you know, we've got this really cool timeline that way. And you know, now we're gonna have people watching Larkin grow up and it just feels really good to have, 
people going on this journey with us, you know, because it can be it can be terrifying sometimes, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So we're we're definitely keep moving in that direction, and we are working on a possible new project, mm-hmm. adding a a barn, like a, an events barn, um, that'll have multi use yeah, capacity kind of a and facility with the commercial yeah. kitchen and doing concerts and weddings and things like that. Yeah, and that feels really exciting because we like the diversity. Yeah. In our, and that feels sort of stressful. It feels sort of stressful. It feels like a great place for collaboration with other and, with and others, continuing yeah. to bring other people into, you know, farms have such a huge potential to involve people. And, yes. you know, whether it's with work or, you know, art or whatever, there's just, they can just take human input like, you know, no other, nothing else I can really think about. Um, and that just is always constantly inspiring. And I think we're just going to kind of keep letting it run. Until yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and in the background, I'm always still like, well, I'm, this is not my real job. I'm mm-hmm. starting a, a farm school. Once we school. build this big farm, we can fill it with, you know, <laughs> programs like exactly. a farm school. We can start doing it in yeah. sessions involving other schools that already have things yeah. running. And we don't have to be school directors exactly. also because yeah. we tend to stretch ourselves so thin thinking like <laughs> I could be the director of a school or own a restaurant and run the farm. No. It's true. It's but true. when I'm, um, you know, washing salad for the thousandth hour i'm often like oh well that's fine it's fine someone else is gonna the plan to you know build up this (laughs) build up this system that supports all these other people (laughs) yeah exactly naive or not i don't know well yeah Yeah. when i hear you both talk about this i hear that a farm is both just a farm and it's also never just a farm right so um Zach, you kind of came from this place of thinking about systems Mm -hmm. and design that way and you know molly like a lot of what happened in your life before being a farmer was that you were like really fascinated with the natural world and um, really liked inviting people to be part of that in so many different ways. And so what, what's a farm? (laughs) Right. That's, it's funny. That is a particularly a question I like, rant or ask about a lot because on salt spring there's probably a hundred properties with signs that say farm let's just call it that and you know but that's and so that's my like i'm a grumpy farmer side like farmers make money growing food to feed their community or and then there's the whole like what is like what else does it produce and like yeah i don't know i was getting tired i love this question yeah it it really is is what is a farm Um, i mean it's like what i like about it it's a big project yeah. i love projects things that involve a lot of people mm-hmm. um but then there's times when i'm i'm like oh farming is the worst invention ever <laughs> you know be hunting these deer and <laughs> lazing about by the lake yeah like it does take so much input of different ways and we're trying to close our system but we're always paying attention to that while wrapping to bring in from outside and um yeah what is a farm well i mean i, I think yeah, about this for a while it's like and my, my grumpy farmer definition is a farm as a place where people work this, the land to produce, you know, food for their community. And like that's, but then they, yeah, well, I, I know other people will have different definitions to that. Um, but I think in its essence, that's like, I don't know. Yeah, well, I, don't know. I think one way a farm could be thought about is that is like in a conceptual art framework, mm-hmm. right? So like food is your medium. Mm-hmm. You produce it, yeah. but it happens in all these different ways, and that changes over time. 
right? So there's this conceptual project of one season being about exploring how animals interact with the land or one season of being like, what's the experiment when Zach only has one leg to use or, or whatever. And um, it's always imperfect. And there's all these, I mean, there's endless challenges about it, but that food is kind of the thing that runs through with that. Right. Our friends, our friend Sue always says um, community is the message. Food is the medium. That's, mm. Which yeah, is yeah. pretty resonant. Um, so what do you grow? We grow all the things, basically. We just decided today we don't grow rutabaga. We don't grow rutabaga, yeah. But besides we, that, you know, we grow radishes and we grow nine kinds of radishes or whatever. Um, we'll grow winter we grow winter squash and we grow twelve kinds of winter squash and I mean we grow every all the staple vegetables you can think of and then every year and. Maybe more than once a year, we try to do like fun things that, you know, are like next year I'm growing these black French radishes that look like daikon um, that I'm really excited so about. Excited. I'm so excited about them. I love growing radishes so much. That's why I live with it. I don't know why. I don't even love to eat them that much, but they're my favorite crop to grow. Um, we grow berries. We grow lots flowers. flowers. Yeah, lots mm-hmm. of flowers, you know, probably 100 varieties, 80 oh, varieties mm-hmm. or more of flowers. Um, which in itself is a, a whole huge separate diversity thing that's really, really awesome. Um, yeah, you know, 12 types of tomatoes, five type, three types of zucchini, all the, all the stuff you can think of in general, annual mixed vegetables, tayberries, raspberries, strawberries. And we're, we just planted an orchard this year. Mm-hmm. There's an old orchard on the farm. We planted a little, an orchard for, for Larkins. I keep saying it's Larkins Orchard. Um, of Sweet. 30, heritage apple trees that we grafted six years ago when we first arrived at the farm from a collection of 350 varieties of old english cider apples that we from the farm we worked on before at bright farm we got to try all their best apples over the two years and then take cyan wood and you know now those trees are you know eight feet tall and branched and some of them even have little fruits on them their first year stress but you know next year it's it, it'll, it'll branch out nicely and it's great um, I think we're going to plant figs next mm-hmm. year. And some nuts. Some nuts. Um, we're part of an experiment. Experiment, is that the right Tra- word? Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I think yeah, it is, actually. With um, BC Ministry of Ag right now doing key lining research um, in, in our area, and that's a topic that I don't know if I should talk. It's, yeah, it's basically it? slowing <laughs> slowing the flow of water out of your landscape is the kind of base thing but it takes on all slopes there's a spot where there's a key line water will start to penetrate there as it's coming down the slope kind of where it levels out our property has a valley in the middle of it i'm using my hands here for the benefit of Devin and chelsea (laughs) but uh, um you know maybe everybody else can just stay with the words um and this the key line on our farm is where the two hills that are on the other opposite sides of that valley meet so we have gone with a really deep chisel plow. It's called a yeoman's plow. It's from Australia um, that this grant funded the purchase of for, and the people found us in our property to work with. Um, and you lay it out, lay out deep plow lines on the contour, um, for, on contour across your contour. So essentially water moves from wet to dry. It's really 
I'm not really good at explaining this, but look it up. It's it's a very cool and potentially very useful strategy. I mean, particularly for here in California, but hopefully for us as well to keep our pastures green later, um, establish rows for nut trees and, you know, keep water on, on things without us irrigating them. Yeah. Alley cropping. There's a guy named, oh, blanking out, um, famous farm, Mark Shepard. Um, and you should look up his farm if you want to really more intensive explanation of what key lighting is all about. Great. We'll make sure to include a link for that so people can check it out. Um, You talk a lot about your piece of land, kind of like it's this third person in this collaboration. And how do you, I mean, I think that's pretty common. I think farmers who work really closely with somewhere, you really intimately know a place, right? So how do you see yourselves as, stewards of the land or not or you know what does that mean in the way that you decide to work there it's an interesting question because it's it's a 24 acre property as i mentioned and i think i would call us the most hesitant stewards <laughs> of that um we there there's a lot of infrastructure to keep up there that was already mm-hmm. there falling down fences and sheds mm-hmm. and a long driveway and all these things that I remember at first we were like, Oh gosh, it would be great. If we just rent two acres and that's and what that's we would, what be, we would in be in charge of. of. Yeah. Then we would have our, yeah. Yeah. But over time, I think we've, we've, we have come to see ourselves that way. Mm-hmm. We, I love all the parts of the farm. Some mm-hmm. of it's uh, forested. Yeah. It's some nice wetland zones. And yeah. so that's a really, it's really nice to be there. And it's all of the, the, our, our farm's on eight, you called it a pond. I mean, I'm not going to take offense. It's called Bullock Lake, um, <laughs> but it's got 800 feet at the bottom of frontage at the bottom of, you know, we're essentially half the watershed for it. So our practices would really have great effects on the lake if mm-hmm. they were not, you know, up to, up to par. And when I go down there and there's this really nice tree at the bottom of the, of the valley, that's just this huge maple that is, you know, the middle busted out 50 years ago. So it's, all branch and you can sit in it and look out over the wetland and know that like the water that comes down our hills from our gardens, by the time it gets there, it's just clean water going down into the lake and that, you know, we're doing something to like feed our community and keep this wetland ecosystem intact for benefit of the lake, benefit of our, you know, children, of our friends, of our, it just, yeah, it's just a really, a really good feeling. Um, we're starting to make some of the bigger changes. Yeah. It's, we've been there five years now, and we just dug an irrigation pond mm-hmm. that's about to, to <laughs> Maybe overflow. Maybe going to overflow, but, you know, a lot of rain's happening, and, um, and overflow's and, not quite ready yet. Yeah. Um, but And we're building this barn, so that'll be in the forested section, so we're taking down trees, and that's that's a whole new interesting feeling for me. We mm-hmm. we dug... Yeah, we, we hadn't really seriously altered the landscape yeah. in our, you know... Soil management practices are we're organic, we're low tillage with small equipment. We grow tons of cover crops. Um, we've always taken that part of the stewardship very seriously, but at the same time, that's part of the like, what is a farm? And this is the part of the farm that is like yeah. putting its little money making box that like soil health and stewarding soil health just is aside from being the right thing to do without it, our business doesn't work. So there's, there's that part, but now we're like, Hey, those are big cedars. And those have to come down if we were going to build this other part of it. So then like, 
you know, you're, we're really getting, we get excavated an excavator in to do anything. And you're like, Oh, we really need you to make these little pads. So runoff doesn't just go to the storm yeah. drains. And there's, there's those kind of major land altering decisions that are a little bit scary. Yeah. Um, and we feel a strong sense of stewardship. So oh, yeah. it makes us sometimes really reluctant to make these major decisions. And the woodland part of our farm, it's about seven acres. It's mm-hmm. full of English ivy and mm-hmm. periwinkle um, that have been there for decades. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I feel that responsibility when I, when like, I go oh, through there. I feel so stressed. In there and get that back under control <laughs> and plant some yeah. salal and like. But we just never get to it. So it kind of, it's interesting. It goes into what you're talking about. What is a farm? And we kind of face that a bit with some of the, with interns in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, because That's a farm a point, is actually. so much more than your money-making crops in yeah. your, your row section. Yeah, um, so that's just been interesting trying to figure out for our interns, how do we give them the complete experience of mm-hmm. stewarding this land and be in charge of the Cause like farm? the firewood that we do, you know, it's yeah. like captured sun, sunshine, stored as carbon, burned again, keeping the farmers warm and alive. Like it's still part of the same cycle yeah. and you, so there's always the like okay this is the work that has to be done right now i know that's not bunching carrots and you want to learn how to grow you know so we try to like not have interns do those kind of jobs but still that's part of the farm and yeah. it's like the farmers are part of the farm and we're part of that whole dynamic ecosystem and that's so really yeah yeah that's been an interesting balance to try to find mm-hmm. and sometimes it works and sometimes it's a bit harder yeah what do you want the interns to leave feeling like a farm is that's a good, good question. You got any thoughts on that? I'm really finding that a lot of my thoughts are visual. Like when I picture the farm, I really see it from above and sort of the yeah, humming network that it is. Mm-hmm. I kind of do too. Um, um, I want them to leave with, with a sense that a farm is sort of, it's a place where it engages your whole self. And to me, that's one of the most important things about it. Yes, it's Mm -hmm. a place we grow food and it's how we make our living. And hopefully it can be a place where people learn. Um, There's there's so many aspects and it's – it isn't perfect. And I want them to leave realizing that farming is like dirty and hard and beautiful and engages your full self um, and is not for everybody. And that, you know, if (laughs) – if one out of every 10 apprentices we get stays as a farmer and then the other 10 are like, Hey, it makes sense for me to pay four bucks for a bunch of carrots. Cause I know how hard that works or was then we're, or we, you know, pace or train someone that engages with the food system in any other meaningful way as an advocate for small farms. Then yeah, I just want them to take away how important it is and you know, how, yeah, just how important it is that we're all involved in it. I think, when I left Rebecca's, the most important thing that I took away, besides we learned so much when we model a lot of what we do off of her farm, mm-hmm. but the most important thing that still has me farming today is I left really understanding that it's it's beautiful. It's really beautiful. And she really maintained that for us. Mm-hmm. Um, all the different parts of it fitting together. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's really horrible. And we had horrible days there. Where I was like, this is the worst job I've ever had. <laughs> it's the first time it ever was like <laughs> practically snowing on my birthday in June as a southerner. That was like we both really cried. hard to cope with. I, <laughs> I think I cried that day. What um, we're doing in the Northwest farming? So yeah, there's days you're slugging through the mud and and it's it's not so great, but it's beautiful. It's still part of this larger thing. And mm-hmm. 
that was really important for me and it still is. And I try to impart that to our interns as best I can, but yeah. And that there's other ways of, yeah. Valuing even like I keep going to the economics thing, but like there's other ways to other things that get added into that, that, you know, we get to account for that other professions might not like that. I eat the best watermelon every year. Like, you know, and there's like those kind of things. Um, and I want them to take away that, like, they should just really enjoy the rich, ritualistic decadence of like the cycle of the seasons. And hopefully the ones that want to farm have like taken away enough nuts and bolts skills to do a second year apprenticeship. <laughs> because yeah. uh, I mean, I think it's, yeah. Or, or strike out on their own and learn some we, lessons. That is like way. our concrete goal. We do yeah. say we want people to we feel confident to feel they confident. could start a small scale operation. Yeah, with, that they could replicate our model. Yeah. Cause we include them in every aspect of what we do. Down to the financial Down side. Down the money after the market. Yeah. And, you know, telling them, you know, that we're about to send all of our seed order in for this year. And then those will go right. All those spreadsheets will go on to the apprentices. So they see like, oh, here's how what went that. into like deciding how many squash seeds do you need to grow for a, you know, 60 member CSA. And they can see all the planning stuff. And that is the, those are the pieces that have been, we've just figured that stuff out as we go. Like, oh, yeah. It's really, that's the hard, the hard part. Mm-hmm. Well, when I hear you both talk about this, it sounds like. This has been kind of a journey to right livelihood, mm-hmm. right? You, yeah, you're totally. both college educated. You had a lot of choices about what you could do, and you decided to like start a family farm, mm-hmm. and that's what you do. So, and I, I think that's really interesting to think about right livelihood as like, you know, that watermelons in the summer are part of like your benefits package yeah, or yeah, whatever, totally. you know. But that it's a, it's like a, it's a totally different definition of what success. Yeah. Yeah. is but it doesn't disregard the rest of the world yeah right? exactly yeah and that's we have this one foot in and one foot out um and that's kind of you know a nice a nice line to it's a tricky line to walk because like we have to you know have the parts that keep that one foot in the other part because we just have yeah. to well and it's, yeah. at the same time as we're trying to show our interns what a beautiful life it is uh we're also trying to show them you can make a living you can doing make this. a living doing this you we may not do be doing the best job yet we're doing i mean we are it's just yeah. it's hard the bottom line is really hard yeah. um, costs are high so we try to share all that with them but still giving them the sense of how worth it it is well no <laughs> and that it can be that you can make it financially as well yeah because well, um, some farmers, I think, get maybe a little bit too like, oh, well, we get to eat well at least. And, yeah. you know, we get to be outside. And you're like, well, you can eat well out of your garden. And, yeah, exactly. You know, like that's... you can make a living as well. So it is important for us that they, they get that message. Yeah. Well, and I think we talked about when we saw you in August, August is like fame, farmers are famously starting to get extremely mm-hmm. exhausted in August, right? You're like eating that watermelon. Everything's really beautiful, mm-hmm. but you're like so tired, right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that you can barely see straight yeah. and all the rest of those things. Um, for me, when I hear the word farm, I think of it as a place, a working place. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think of it as this pastoral passive mm-hmm. place in the country. I think it needs working people it that does. actually engage with it. And work is work. Like some days it's really hard, right? So what is that like to be, to live on this island that people see as this really dreamy place and do this work (laughs) that people see as this really dreamy Mm -hmm. lifestyle and have those parts, but also. Yeah. I think it just, it just makes us laugh. We we respond to this a little bit differently, I think. Because I get, um, it is, it's so, it's everything you said. 
It is beautiful and we love the community feel and I love the work. I actually miss working because I've been with Larkin so much the last year. So I'm a bit more dreamy about work than you are. Yeah. I've been working with an injury yeah. for several months. Uh, yeah, I find it, I guess I found it cute for a while, you know, but I find it super irritating, <laughs> honestly, because every person that I talk to at the farmer's market or whatever, they're like, and you know, I know a million farmers can relate to the story. They're just like, you must, be you must just live in the dream. You know, it's really what I want with like oh, my ultimate dream mm-hmm. is to be doing what you're doing. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping and, to move that direction in the next few years. You yeah, have all ages I, time. I want to just really produce food for myself and my family. And I'm like, well, that's not really what I'm doing, you know? And then it's, it, so you try, you just like are nice. And you're like, I get your, the sentiment is very sweet and i am very i want i'm doing exactly what i want to be doing too yeah i, I you know you are yeah. living the dream that's true but also you're like i could just launch into a tirade about well like, the funny thing is most pigs getting out and fall you know <laughs> oh or God. whatever whatever complication of the day is and like you know trying to be nice about it yeah yeah yeah. that's great well, we 80 hour week this week, yeah know? we get that comment at the market usually, usually. when as any farmer knows you've gone through a crazy harvest day the yeah. day before and you've been up at five and the van broke down on the way caffeinated to make up for it or whatever <laughs> and you had to like lug all your heavy stuff and your tent's rusty and broken because you're trying to improve your bottom line but not buy a new tent yeah and then someone shows up and it's like wow you guys are really dream. those moments are really funny and you're like did you when did you get out of bed this morning <laughs> <laughs> but but as zach said at the same time we'll i often stop and i'm like well yeah, yeah, I guess yeah, so. totally. This, this is, we this work is together we outside, and you know, always yeah. have flowers on our counter and eat really well, and you know, get to travel in the winter, and like a lot of things are yeah. very from the outside, like living the dream. But then, I have a friend that I recently met that's a, a skydiving instructor, and she gets the same thing. Oh man, and I, we were talking about that the other night. And she was like, you know, but some days I wake up and my body is sore, and I'm like, I have to go jump out of a plane at sixteen thousand feet oh five God, times crazy. or whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, that's crazy. Um, and I think I fell into the oh man, you know. I guess in an alternate life that would be a pretty good. She's just yeah. Was, you know, we probably do that. To I'm sure. Ourselves. I'm sure we do. I don't even notice. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you always say that to outdoor wilderness instructors. Yeah, totally. I'd like to apologize to anyone. <laughs> artists. I'm sure artists. I'm sure you yeah. Yeah, all the time. Well, maybe let's finish up hearing what is this for Larkin? Mm. Larkin's their one-year-old daughter. So mm. she's the new the new help on mm. the farm amongst mm. many other things. And She'll pick all the white-tipped strawberries so well, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. But why, why raise a kid on a farm? <laughs> um... I think okay. This is a big question. So they get tough. No. Okay, I'll um, handle this. We're gonna be able so to. Dangerous. That's just a joke about all the like boards and stuff that we haven't dealt with for it's... a one year old. She'll be fine. She'll be She's fine. tough. I want her to learn the value of of work yeah. that you feel good about, um, and the value of play. And our farm has a lot of play as a part of it. It does. We we build that in a lot, and also the value of time. Um, because like part core to our belief, even though I joke about 80 hour weeks and that kind of stuff is that farmers deserve time also like deserve time off. And we take a pretty generous chunk of it in the winter and our systems built around that. And both of us, I know really, really appreciate that time. And maybe even more, it's maybe even more delicious because we have so little of it during other parts of the year. Um, and I, yeah, I just, I want 
hard to appreciate all of those things. Like yeah. that life is really enjoyable to live and and very engaging. And very like engaging. I was saying, there's, I love that farms have all these different a, ways to plug in and whatever yeah. you're good at. There's a place that the you can help. Boredom is and, not a thing. Yeah, you know, there is no that just doesn't exist. Yeah, that's uh, true. And yeah, I want her. There's all the, like the little parts of it. I want her to learn to repair things and. Yeah. Um, try you know, experiment in the field and forage yeah. and all the different things you can do on a on a farm like ours yeah she you know i want especially as a daughter and i, I want her to you know be empowered to you know go go out to the shop and get a hammer mm-hmm. and hit whatever needs hit the door jam back into square like i want her to see that we're constantly working on our life and that that's you know yeah. a, an important lesson to take is that you're there's little pieces to your life that you're always working on. And I want her to have all the skills to do that. And whether that means whatever the hammer or the, you know, strawberry or the website design, like I want her to see how much goes into this. And also I want her to eat a lot of strawberries. You know, we get, I want, you want to see like little happy people engaged with this process um, and knowing where their food comes from and, being a part of it and, you know, being the irritating kid that goes to their friend's house and is like, yeah, tomatoes are out of season. You know, I want her to know what real quality in life is. Um, and I think farms, you know, provide that if nothing else, like quality of life is huge. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks guys. It's yeah. been so Thank nice you. talking to you today. It's been so nice talking to you guys. Delicious Revolution is a show about food, culture, and place. Produced by Devin Sampson and me, Chelsea Wells. You can subscribe to Delicious Revolution on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. If you have a food story of your own, we'd love to hear it. Call 510-859-7430 and leave us a message. Of course, you can get in touch with us in lots of different ways, and they are all on the website, deliciousrevolutionshow.com. If you like Delicious Revolution and want to help our show reach more people, please leave us a review on iTunes and send out a link on your favorite social network. Thanks for listening. Delicious Revolution is brought to you by Satori Travel. If you're a traveler, and especially if you're thinking about going to Mexico or Japan, you've got to check it out. They offer unique guidebooks, custom-tailored trips, and a concierge service for planning your next great adventure. Find out more at satorisatori.com.